This podcast is brought to you by nobody. We don't have advertisements. Yes. However, it is dedicated to my dad and all the people out there who support their loved ones and their journey to wholeness. Welcome to What It Takes to Be Wild. My name is Grace and I am your host. What It Takes to Be Wild is a podcast created to encourage and support women to realize that no matter who they think they are, they can always become who they really want to be. Help us grow our audience by following us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and by visiting, liking, and sharing about us on Facebook and Instagram. This week we have some bonus content since our last podcast was canceled. Being wild is often associated with being unruly or ruthless. Today, we talk with Julie Rappaport, a therapist and couples counselor in Boulder, Colorado, who takes a non-conventional approach to couples therapy and prides her practice on reestablishing connections between couples. This often includes couples understanding each other's boundaries and gaining clarity on what's most important to them, both as individuals and couples. Julie talks with us today about boundaries and how being wild can come at a cost if we're not aware of our interrelationship with others. Hey, Julie, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely. So I, uh, I decided to ask you to be a part of the show because I've recently had experiences with women where I think we've not really met each other effectively with our separate you know, boundaries of, of things that we each need. And this made me really think about the premise of my show and, and how I'm encouraging people to be wild, but not necessarily exploring what that means, like uh, in a psychological sense or like how we make being wild, like really effective for ourselves. Um, I think, and I've been here myself that we often interpret being wild means to be rebellious or to push against society or expectations, which I think, you know, can be powerful and can be a powerful place depending on what our circumstances are. But um, I think we often also can be wild in a selfish way, meaning that like above all else, we, serve ourselves first and often without considering the needs of others. And um, I know that in my past experiences, this has ended up destroying relationships and and ultimately reducing opportunities. Um, But I also know that if we go too far the other way, we can end up being walked all over or feeling like we can't voice our opinions or get our needs met. So it's a really interesting and and very difficult tightrope to walk. And I've experienced both ends of the spectrum in the last year. So I know that I've been myself just flipping back and forth, trying to find the middle. And since you and I worked together on this in the past in, in my own therapy sessions, it dawned on me that you might be uh, the perfect person to help us better understand how to be wildly ourselves without damaging our relationships or future possibilities. So I'm interested in hearing about your perspective and how we can learn to balance our own positions with the positions of others. So what are your initial thoughts on this? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's such a, like you mentioned, it's just a dance. They're nuanced and we can be unsure ourselves of, of our own boundaries. And, and so then we can, you know, kind of like what you mentioned is we can kind of create them really rigidly or we can create them too porously. And either one of those ends is going to get us in big trouble and not allow us to stay relational. What have you seen, like on the either end, what it looks like to get in trouble, <laughs> get ourselves yeah. in trouble? <laughs> yeah. I mean, kind of like what you mentioned of, you know, it's like you, a person could 
be like, oh, you know, set a boundary that they're like a little bit shaky on because maybe boundaries aren't their forte. And so then they come up against somebody in a relationship that then really likes to push boundaries. And so then they find themselves like really catering to that other person. And in doing so, their boundary gets crumbled on, you know, it gets, it's just crumbles. And then on the other side, if somebody is feeling like, uh, Hey, this person is always violating boundaries. I've got to put a really strong boundary up or in their life, maybe they've gotten trespassed on multiple times. And so they've gone the other direction of like, Hey, I'm going to put this boundary up and they're then putting it up in such a way that, has to go to the other extreme where they're like, absolutely no one is going to trespass on this at any time, anyway. And so then that also becomes not non-relational because their boundaries are there to keep one another safe, um, to know where you end and other person begins. Um, and in that sense, it's not a rigid thing. There's, there's a dance between two bubbles of boundaries and, and so when it's rigid, it doesn't allow for that dance to occur. It's, it's a, it's a slammed door. Mm -hmm. For me, like the example of having someone to say like this, this I can accept and this I cannot accept um, is really important. I think upfront, how does that work? So if you're setting boundaries with someone, what's the best way to, to do that? That's effective. You think? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it, it obviously depends on your audience. One way that a lot of times can work is being able to state a boundary or assert a boundary in what's called a yielded place, a place that isn't what, what I might call high tone or low tone, which might mean like really rigid and tight or really collapsed and, and no tone whatsoever. If you are coming from a place of just right in between, you've got some activity within rest, some rest within activity, that is the place that you can create a really successful boundary that can then be negotiated with another person. When you say um, relational, can you say more about what does an outcome look like that um, when you're in relational boundary setting with someone? Sure. A, a relational boundary, you might, you know, I might feel strongly that, hey, we've got to end at, at noon. That's my boundary. And you say, okay, well, um, that's great. The only thing is that I've got this, 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 and this. And I might say, huh, okay, well, that's not going to work for me. Like we can negotiate this rather than me saying, well, hey, that's not going to work for me. I got a hard stop at noon. You know, that it's like, yes, I have this boundary. And then it's like, okay, well, given this boundary and given what your needs are, how are we going to work with this? How are we going to dialogue about this? How are we, you know, maybe this time frame isn't going to work. So we pick a different time or maybe, okay, we're going to have to shorten this or, you know, we stay relational in how are we going to work with this boundary that I have that may or may not work for the situation that we've got going on but that it's not just a, I've got this boundary and that's it. That doesn't allow us to then dialogue about it and stay relational about it. It really then cuts that off, that possibility off. Mm -hmm. But I don't necessarily have to get my boundary trespassed on, but that 
we can dialogue about it and and see how is this going to work? How are we going to make this work? Okay, I hear I've got this boundary. You hear I've got this boundary. Then how does that sound for you? And and wow, I thought we had more time. Yeah, but you know, I mean, we just we dialogue and we we make it work such that nobody gets trespassed on. And we we might have to, I might have to give a little bit. You might have to give a little bit. Um, but that we make it a win-win. Yeah, it makes me think about um, assumptions. So the assumptions that we have between people um, and we don't necessarily call out. So we, we, we might say something that is sort of in the middle of uh, a clear boundary and a really weak boundary and assume that the other person understands what we're saying because we're trying not to be like too harsh and trying to at least still say what we need. And so it ends up being like maybe a little bit wishy-washy. And then, and then you're just, and the other person says, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah. I got that. But they don't. And then you end up in a bad situation because there was a huge misunderstanding from the start. Sure. Yeah. What are your thoughts about that? Well, I mean, I think that that those are the nuances of boundaries and, and it's, um, you know, then, then it's like, wow, then it's a discussion, right? It's like, oh, wow, I, I'm really feeling awful right now. Um, I really thought that we had this agreement. Oh, wow. I, I thought it was this way, you know, becomes this dialogue and that again, we stay relational and that boundaries a lot of times we think boundaries, I think, are like these things that we draw a line in the sand. Sometimes, of course, we need to do that. Um, and it, it usually is that when it becomes a bottom line, kind of a deal breaker sort of of boundary. But if we're just talking kind of daily, day-to-day boundaries with one another, boundaries are guidelines. These are things that are malleable. These are things that are negotiable. These are things that are to a certain point, right? Um, these are things that um, need to have some flexibility because you because relationship deserves negotiation. It's not a one-way street. I like how you say that relationship deserves negotiation. Yeah. But that, that also brings up the idea of values and your own personal value system and what you consider to be a bottom line. And doesn't that have a lot to do with who we perceive ourselves as people and that process of growing to understand ourselves and our values. And it seems to be something that's happening all the time, but maybe not intentionally. Like maybe we don't sit down and say, what do I really care about? Yeah. I mean, it deserves, um, you know, this is something we, we work with a lot with couples on is figuring out what's going on that might ultimately be a deal breaker that people are trying to kind of negotiate around, but it actually is like somebody feels extremely strongly about and, and cannot, there is no negotiation about it. And, and in that sense, then it, it is, I mean, every one of us has, you know, one or two that, or a few, maybe hopefully less than five that are deal breakers and that that's, there's no right, wrong, good, bad. It's just, what you're willing to tolerate and what you aren't. And so I do think that that goes back to one's own values, one's own upbringing, you know, it, and, and everybody's deal breakers vary. 
my deal breaker might not be your deal breaker. Yeah. Which can make or break relationships, whether they're friendships or absolutely something else. Absolutely. It's interesting. I have been working with uh, university students and coaching and all oh, this semester I had all freshmen. <laughs> and so they're, they're in a really interesting place in their life where they're their first year away from home. They get to make their own decisions for the first time. And then they have this enormous pressure to do well in school and achieve, you know, what they perceive to be their goal for four years. And one of the things that really comes up a lot is just having a self-reflective exercise or conversation about what do I care about? What, what is most important to me that I want to put my time there and where am I spending my time and how does that value shape me? Or do I have a value that has been handed down that actually isn't a value of mine? And can I let go of that? And so we, we explore that a lot. And I think that it's super valuable self-exercise to do is to just sit down and say like, in the, you know, these areas of my life, family, relationship, friendships, work, what are the things that I value the most? And is my life reflecting that? Totally. Yeah, when I did it, I was like, oh, I was actually quite surprised. <laughs> and even more surprised when I like did percentages of like where I was spending my time and the type of people I was spending my time with and what I was saying yes to and how out of alignment that was with what I really cared about. Yes. And that really took, I think, some, I don't know, boldness or something on my part to be able to say no to things that I wouldn't have said no to if I hadn't done that exercise to realign myself with what was most important. And some of them are really hard. Absolutely. I mean, I think that that speaks directly to, you know, the wildness that you're talking about in, you know, in terms of what you're going for with your website and podcast and it's wildness can be going into those places that are uncomfortable, but that, ultimately then benefit you right um saying no the word no allows other people to feel you to know you if you're the yes person the yes the yes girl like they have no other people have no idea who you are where you stand what you will and won't tolerate because really you'll tolerate anything And so then they're like, you know, on some level, they might really like that. They're like, great, we can ask Grace to do this or that. And she'll always say yes. But who really is Grace? They don't know. And so boundaries allow people to feel one another. It's it's not necessarily just a, I think a lot of times people think of boundaries as like shutting out. And that's, that's not actually it. It's, it's, you get to feel yourself as well as others get to feel you. Where do you begin? Where do you end? What do you stand for? What do you value? It's like the structure of a human. Yeah. In a way. You know, a lot of times what I used to do is have people put a rope around themselves. You and I might've done this. Yeah. Um, Where they create, where, you know, where they feel like their energetic space goes to and then, then what I like to have them do is, is to write on a piece of paper folded in half as on one end, you know, kind of like in a tent style, 
um, piece of paper where on one side of that, they would straddle the paper on the side on either side of the rope. And on one side, it faces them. And what is that? What does that boundary then say to them? And on the other side would be facing out. What is that boundary saying to others? Mm. It's a really good way to, to know what, you know, whether you're, you know, kind of stating it from those places of, of rigidity, too much fluidity, whether it's really relational, maybe you say on the outside, like you can come this close, but, but then we have to negotiate or, you know, that's a, that's a really relational message. Or if you say, you know, if it says stay the F out, um, (laughs) that's obviously like really rigid and there's a, then you can get to a reason behind that. Have they been, have their boundaries been constantly trespassed on? And, you know, then it goes into deeper stuff and that then with that deeper, exploration then their boundaries can begin to become more relational um, once they've explored that other material that's making it non-relational yeah no that makes total sense and i love the way that you say um with the tent over the rope how what is this saying to others and you gave the example of like saying yes all the time um when you ask the question, like, what does it say to others when somebody's saying no all the time? What is that? What does that say to others? If you're saying no all the time, I mean that it would, you know, go to the other extreme of like, I cannot be in relationship with you. You cannot be in relationship with me because there's no all over the place. Like that doesn't leave room for other. This is where I, this is where I um, know is like, okay, this is where I am. Um, well, where does that, do you have any porousness to that to allow for influx and outflux, you know, when there's too much rigidity, how does a person even get into, to know you? They can feel you. They can feel you very strongly, but it's, it's kind of off-putting. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that of course, they can go down a rabbit hole of women in society and how we are viewed if we happen to have a, a more, assertive boundary. Um, a lot of times that's looked on as not okay. You're a bitch. Um, and you know, that's a big societal thing that we as women, I think are still having to navigate on a day in day out basis. Yeah. And I think it can make your boundaries even harder sometimes. Like you're having to like, your energy has to push out. Like you're not allowed to tell me what I can't do or say or anything. And it it almost like, increasingly becomes non-relational because it's like you have to stand harder and harder and harder. Yeah. Or the feeling that you do. And I mean, and that is, you know, if we're talking in a male dominated society, there's a reality that if we don't have assertive boundaries that we will get the short end of the stick, but then there's the kickback of if we're assertive that then we're a bitch or, we are not able to, you know, easy to work with, or, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a very, like you mentioned at the beginning, it's a very, uh, it's a tightrope that you have to walk and navigate and know your audience and know if you're going to, you know, if you are in a, in a place where you have to be assertive of how do you do that in a really tactful way so that you actually are getting the results that you want. So it's not just, I mean, it's, it, again, it's like there's so many different layers to boundaries that you could dive into. And unfortunately, it's not as cut and dry as 
a boundary maybe. Yeah, it's so dependent upon circumstances sometimes and and the people, you know, yeah. all those things. And ultimately it comes down to knowing yourself better than anything else. Absolutely. That and and your audience, you know, because certain if you have two strong women that you're trying, you know, that you're working with, each one of them could probably really like and accept when, when you're clear, when you're assertive and they're like, yes, they celebrate the strength of that. But if you have one that's more kind of passive or meek and a strong woman, Oh, that's going to be, you can't assert the same way. Each one of you can't assert the same way because you'll, you will um, then become non-relational with one another. And can you say a little bit about assertiveness versus like aggressiveness? Like there's, I've had a woman recently say like, I was just, you know, standing up for myself, but the action was very aggressive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, again, it's, it's, um, (laughs) I mean, that, that speaks to, I think, you know, her comment speaks to the, fine line between aggression and assertion and especially for women i think because i i think that the bottom line for those two would be assertion would be that you are strongly stating a boundary and yet open to stay relational about it not that you need to um have it change but that you're okay having a dialogue about it and negotiating about it and and talking about it aggressiveness is got an FU behind it. And that really kind of in relation to the other person is going to, they're going to feel like there is no room to even have their reaction, their response, their um, input, nothing. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to navigate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's important to acknowledge that it's a a process of development and many of us will never figure it out. And, and honestly, I think therapy helps. It it just really helps to identify those things that are in your own way and whether they're stopping you from being assertive or they're stopping you from being more relational with people. Also, it made me think when you were just saying about being relational, like what that really means. And I think I'm coming to understand like being relational means some degree of I care like I, I care how this impacts you. I care what the outcome is um, versus like whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I'm going to do what I want. Like that you're, you don't exist in a vacuum. There is another person here. And, and that one thing that came to me was that we all have a tendency in, in who we are to, we know ourselves to be like, Oh, are you a fighter? Are you a fleer? Um, are you a freezer? And that can give you some information of how your boundary setting might at least tend. So are you one, you know, are you a fighter? In which case, like, then when you're really activated, you've got to be aware that your boundaries might come across more as aggressive rather than assertive. Because if you're triggered, then you're in a place of, of kill or be killed. So if you're a fighter, you're going to be like, I'm going to kill before I'm going to be killed. Mm-hmm. So it's going to come across as very more on the aggressive end. And then if you're more of like this, I'm going to run um, and there's no better or worse. It's just sur- simply a survival mechanism of like, Oh, I might 
run, well, then you might be one that it's more of a loosey goosey. People don't know where the hell you stand sort of boundary. And to know that about yourself, then in those times, you might have to really be cognizant to like, oh, I don't want to be, I want to be assertive, but I don't want to be aggressive. Okay, well, I'm triggered right now. Then you really have to breathe, take yourself down into more of a place that, you know, we named as yielding or what some might call the window of tolerance, or just so you can be in like human brain and then assert your boundary, then that's less apt to be on an extreme. Yeah. It's a heck of an exercise. (laughs) It's hard. In the moment. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, the other thing, especially as women might be to say, Hey, you know, I'm really struggling here. I'm really struggling because I really feel like I want to make a boundary or I have this boundary and I want to, um, I'm really practicing. I really want to be assertive in this. And the last thing I want is to come across as aggressive. And so I really, um, I'm wondering if we can just work with that here. You know, that would be a really vulnerable place to come from, but actually very powerful place that you you then stay relational. Even if you come across as aggressive, the other person can then say, wow, that that makes me feel like you want to shut me out. There's no room for me. Then you could be like, wow, that's exactly what I didn't want. Thank you for your feedback. Let me reel it in a little bit and state it a different way. You know, it can, you can do your own kind of, therapeutic process out loud mm-hmm. on, a, on some level, if you have a safe enough environment and a um, emotionally uh, savvy enough environment to do that. Mm-hmm. That's a great exercise. I'm going to take that as well. I think for myself, because it, like you said, I think I tend to be, oh, I don't tend to be, I am a fighter. <laughs> no question about that. <laughs> but it's interesting. Like, you know, I had some very interesting experiences over the past year and one of them was on the opposite side where I felt a hundred percent completely disempowered to say anything. Um, in a situation of being bullied by a male in, in an environment that I wanted to be able to participate in and, and couldn't because of the way I was being treated and, and couldn't fight for myself because it would just continue to ignite that and make it worse. And in the end, I had to just walk away from the whole thing. Yeah. I couldn't do it anymore. Like I couldn't say what needed to be said. I couldn't set boundaries without them being further trampled. And it's been an interesting year of boundaries for me. (laughs) Well, I think that that's a good example of, I mean, you, if you are setting boundaries in a way that, you know, when you do kind of a a scan or a, a self evaluation of like, you know, I really feel like this is, I'm not being unclear. I'm not being loosey goosey and that they continue to get trampled on. I mean, then the final boundary is I'm, I'm done. I'm leaving this relationship. It's violating me, mm-hmm. not allowing me to actually, you know, to be felt and to be in relationship and there's no permission here. So that doesn't work for me. And if you stay in something like that, then, you know, there's deeper questions to ask as to why are you staying there? Mm -hmm. Um, But ultimately, when you get to that, wow, this is unworkable. Um, I mean, that would be a real good indication of, okay, my final boundary is I'm leaving so that I continue to stay in integrity with myself. So what what advice would you give our listeners about boundaries? (laughs) (laughs) 
boundaries are a constant um, process. You know, they're changing. They are dynamic. Some can be set in stone and some can be really, um, you know, change from one day to another. Um, that they are um, something to never think that you're done with, to think that they're always evolving and changing as we are. And that we constantly just need to work on that, work on how we assert them, how others are interpreting them, watching one another's faces when we do assert a boundary. If we happen to trespass on someone else, if it, if it comes across in a way that you read somebody else's face and it doesn't look positive, well, then in, inquire about that. That is how we stay relational. It's not to shut the other person out, hopefully, if, if we want, want to stay relational. I mean, sometimes boundaries are there to not stay relational, right? So it's what's the intention? What's the, if it is to stay relational, well, then seeing how other people are interpreting it, what their facial expression is, if you have the luxury of being able to see their faces, checking it out, being curious, if you hear different tones of voices, like really making it a dialogue that we all struggle with this and you know, yeah, some are better than others, but um, that also could be a projection. You might be really, uh, you know, loosey-goosey on yours, and you might have somebody in your life that is really rigid, and you think that they're the cat's meow because they are on the opposite end of you. You know, that's that's not necessarily true. It's just um, just keep working it, keep working it, keep working it, and keep being in dialogue with one another. That's great advice. It's uh, something that you and I and my boyfriend worked on actually together um, was, you know, being relational with each other around our own boundaries. And so I'd love it if you would say a little bit about the work that you do and how other people might be able to utilize you. (laughs) Um, Sure. Right now I specialize with couples, um, all sorts of, of couples, whether married, dating, monogamous, non-monogamous, open, polyamory, you name it, all iterations of couples. And I work with a model called PACT, which is stands for the Psychobiological Approach to Couples Therapy, founded by Stan Tacton. We are working with something with each couple to funnel them down something called secure functioning. And a secure functioning relationship has certain tenets involved in it. And that anything that falls outside of that, we um, we probably are just, you know, we don't care one way or another um, as therapists, whether a couple has something that falls outside of a secure functioning relationship. But I would say 99% of the time, uh, something that falls outside of that is causing them problems. And so we will then kind of highlight that in various ways and have the couple either decide that they want to keep that in the relationship or decide how they want to mitigate that so that they don't continue to run into that, which then takes them down to more secure functioning. That's kind of in a nutshell. We focus on um, three tenets, which is attachment theory, uh, arousal regulation, which is fight, flight, or freeze, as well as neurobiology. how the brain is functioning. So it's really about feeling safe in a relationship. That is safety and security as well as justice. Mm. What is just, what is fair. Mm -hmm. And it's not always like the end result is not always to have the perfect couple relationship. It can be to part ways that like the end result of understanding those. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, really what I'm going for with couples is clarity, mm-hmm. clarity, 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 because in the murkiness uh, is where people can just kick the can down the road and years and years and years and years go by and, and the same stuff is there, but with clarity around it, each person can make an actual move. I think people think that just by making one move, even by declaring, like, I want to break up, that it actually means that they're breaking up. What it means is you're, you're being clear where you stand, speaking of boundaries, um, so that the other person can say, oh, my gosh, like, I didn't know you were there. Like, what can I do to make this better? Like, it allows people to make moves. But if nobody kind of throws the gauntlet down or, or you know, draws some clarity, then you guys just sit there in this murkiness and kick the can down the road for years. Yeah. And so my goal is to help couples get clear so that you can move and not be just stuck for years. Yeah. Well, it certainly worked for us, which is awesome. (laughs) I highly recommend Julie and her services. Thank you so much for being here with us today. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure that you brought some great thinking into the minds of our audience today. So thanks a lot, Julie. You're welcome. Um, should I just mention that it's marriagecounselinginboulder.com? Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. That was Julie Rappaport, therapist and marriage counselor in Boulder, Colorado. You can find her at marriagecounselinginboulder.com. She's an excellent therapist and I can't recommend her enough. In our next episode on April 15th, we meet Kelly Kinsel, another skydiver who says she's gone from victim to survivor. With a long life of abuse and trauma, Kelly experienced the development of her self-confidence and ability to take control of her own life through learning to skydive. Do you have a story? Leave us a message on anchor.fm forward slash what it takes to be wild, and we may ask you to tell your story on the air. We love making podcasts for you, so please take a second now and give us five stars on your podcast app to help us grow our audience. Please also visit, like, and share about us on Facebook and Instagram. Your support helps us impact more women across the world. Until next time, be bold and be wild.